Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. nine gifts of the spirit is the spirit of special faith or miraculous type faith where you lay hands on somebody and there's instant healing we believe in that we believe in the signs those things we teach sake of the gospel right it precedes the gospel we we know what the bible says about those things we teach those things but you know faith is not always like that how many of you know that and you could stand on a word and pick a word and be right here and the answer to that to that what you're believing in is way over there. There's a journey between here and the fruition of what you're believing for. There's a time frame that happens in between there. And we need to learn how to make it through that time frame and know that God is still in control even in the midst of time going by as you pray and believe and stand on his word. See, the purpose of my message today is to get all of you to hang on. Have faith for a promised future and a hope. I, I've said this several times during our, our teaching here, and the young people uh, look at me kind of funny sometimes, but we need to have grit like John Wayne. Exactly. We need to, we need to have grit like John Wick. See, all the young people responded to that one, right? No conversation, no trying to explain. I don't want to know what you're, what, he didn't, he, boom, done, done, right? That was it. So I prefer John Wayne over John Wick, right? I, I can't do his walk, but he had this thing where he, you know, he had this like, right? He was just, he had grit, true grit, right? It's one of his movies, isn't it? Is it true grit? Yeah, right? He had, he could hang, hang on to what, he didn't, never gave up. Right? You see men in movies like that, that they never give up. We need to have that kind of hang-on kind of attitude. Yes. No matter what's going on, no matter what you see, no matter what. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 through 39. I'm going to read it in the New King James, and then I'm going to read it in the message. As I always say, the message is a paraphrase. It was translated by one person, which makes it uh, just storytelling and not really a good translation. But sometimes... When you read it in the message, it just, it just reveals some things uh, that it didn't reveal before. Hebrews 10, 35 through 39, New King James. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Doesn't that seem like there's some time in there? Endurance done the will of God, then you receive the promise. For yet a little while, a little while can be a long while sometimes, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. By faith, right, we please God. But we are not of those who draw back. Thank you, Jesus. We're not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Look at it in the message, Hebrews 10, 35 through 39 in the message. So don't throw it all away now. You were sure of yourselves then. 
It's still sure, it's still a sure thing now. But you need to stick it out. Stay with God's plan so you'll be there for the promised completion. It won't be long now. He's on the way. He'll show up most any minute. Sometimes we give up and the answer is right around the corner. But anyone who is right with me thrives on loyal trust. If he cuts and runs, I won't be very happy. But we're not quitters who lose out. Oh, no. We'll, oh, no. We'll stay with it and survive trusting all the way. We can take that word trust and say having faith throughout the entire journey of what needs to happen. And we think, well, maybe it's my lack of faith. Maybe it's because I don't believe enough. Maybe I don't have the word enough. And then we can go through all the enemies of faith. I'm not worthy. None of us are. Right? Oh, I did this yesterday. I'm living in sin. I'm not doing this. I'm, I'm not staying in the word. I'm not. Right? And I, I said this during the, the last few teachings. I said, it's not the, how, the size of your faith that causes things to come to pass. It's the absence of doubt. So you could have the faith of a mustard seed. Right, Or you can have the faith of a mountain. All you need is a drop of doubt, and that faith is gone. So it's not the size of your faith. It's whether you let that doubt in or not. We need to hang in there with faith for the future. See, faith is not a magic wand that changes the circumstances in just a moment. It's a journey sometimes. But it has a guaranteed, guaranteed result. The promise. Whatever you're believing for. Sometimes the journey is short. Sometimes the journey is long. But the result is the same. We need to hang in there with faith for our future. Hang in there. Hang in there. Your entire faith walk is a journey with a guaranteed result. Let me say that again. Your entire faith walk is a journey with a guaranteed result. Hebrews 11.6. But without faith... Service is over? Was that? I didn't realize we had one of those here at this church, one of them bells. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. And he is a rewarder, a rewarder who, of those who diligently seek him. See, diligently seek is one word in Greek, exiteo, which means to search, investigate, or to crave. I like crave. In Spanish, it's the word anhelar, which is a fervent desire. You know, we use the word desire in English, and it it means something. And and I'm not, not, well, maybe I am being a little, because I am Hispanic. But (laughs) the word anhelar just means something so much more powerful. You see, when I first got saved, I was in an English church for almost a year, and then uh, my wife and I met in a Hispanic church. So I learned most of my my first walks and crawls in faith, I learned in a Spanish church. So I learned it with these words. And then when I started reading it in English, I was like, wow, uh, you know, it says uh, anhelar. But in English, we just use the word desire, which is still a strong word. But anhelar adds fervency to it. It adds a, a craving, right? You have to have that craving to search, to diligently seek, to crave after something. Taste and see. That the Lord is, right? If you've had flung before, here we go again. If, you, if you've had flung before, right, you want, you want more, right? 
Paulita posted a, or sent me a picture of her husband eating tres leche. And, you know, she was kind of bragging that, you know, her, her, their pastor is Cuban. But at the same time, it was, it was a little hard for me to see that because I'm not eating that stuff right now. So she kind of she messed me up. But it came in a cup and it had the, the tres leche. How many of you know what tres leche is? Oh, if you don't know what that is, you got to taste and see that it is good. And once you have it, you'll want more. You ever had something that you just wanted more of? I'm not talking about sin or fleshly things, okay? <laughs> All right? You ever had, it's like, it's that kind of diligently seek after him. Man, when you taste how good God is, you'll want more. If you're not searching and going after him, then you haven't really tasted his goodness yet. Can I be as bold to say that? Come on. To search, to investigate, to crave. To do these things, it means that it's not readily available. To crave is to have experienced something and then no longer available, but now you have to seek it or crave it to have it again. Sometimes that happens. We put our faith into something. We believe in the word and we stay in that and boom, something happens, man. It's like, wow, thank you, Jesus. And then we're going to go through another experience in life. How many of you know that when they told you that to be a Christian, everything's going to go away and everything's going to be good for the rest of your life was a lie? Because if that's true, then the, these men of faith wouldn't have gone through the stuff they went through. John wouldn't have been beheaded. Stephen wouldn't have been stoned to death. These are men of faith. I know Stephen was because he told them, forgive them, for they know not what to do. And then you hear it again when Jesus is hanging on the cross. He had to have been a man of faith. It requires us to have this type of relationship with God, to have experienced him so that we know, man, his goodness is coming again. Yeah. I don't care how dark things are right now. I don't care how much things hurt. I don't care what your mind is telling you, what your soul is telling you. I don't care what your bank book is telling you. Things are going to change. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. Hang on. See, I, one of my little sayings, and you guys get tired of hearing it, but I'm going to keep saying it until you get it. We want God to do something for us, and God wants to do something in us. There's a difference. Now, does our faith cause things to come to fruition? Absolutely it does, because then this wouldn't be true. See, but God is more about the journey. See, the outcome is, our, is to our blessing, but it's to glorify God. So he gets glorified out of our outcome of our faith. But that journey allows him to do something in us. The outcome is still the same. It's still victorious. Come on. Hebrews 11, 27 through 29, New Living Translation. It says, it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going, endured, steadfast, because he kept his eye on the one who is invisible. Did it take faith to follow the invisible? Yeah. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death will not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. It was by faith. You know, we call this Hebrews 11 the faith chapter, our heroes of faith. And Hebrews 12 starts with a great cloud of witnesses standing up there cheering us on. These are the great cloud of witnesses. And these men 
right, went through some stuff. See, Moses, when he was standing at the Red Sea, his ministry didn't start then. His ministry started when he left the castle, when he left being under the cushy covering of the, right, when he left. That's when his ministry started. And do you know, it took years and years and years for this to come to fruition. What did he do during that journey? He tried to do it himself, and he stabs an Egyptian. Come on, we talked about it, was it last week or the week before? He created an Ishmael. Right? He did things on his own because he had it all figured out. Let me not get ahead of myself. But he kept on going. He endured because he kept his eye on him who was invisible. See, sometimes God may seem invisible to us, but faith, but by faith we need to keep on going and he will become visible in what? In the fruition of his promises. See, he's not a man that he should lie. He has to keep his promises. He just doesn't do it how you think he should. We're not God. Now, is he going to keep his promise? Absolutely. Yes. When? I don't know. I can tell you what word to stand on. If you're going to stand, stand on the word of God. I can tell you what word to stand on. I can tell you if you stand on that word, this is the outcome. But I cannot explain the middle. There's an uncertainty there in the middle that causes us to think that we need to put our hands in and do something. It says that we need to get involved here because something's not happening. So we got to do something. And what do we do? Our own egotistical minds and, and our own way. And we go and we jump in there and we try to do something to make the outcome come out. When that is all up to God, it's not up to us. Mm. By faith, they crossed the Red Sea. This took overcoming faith. It's been studied that where they crossed, it was 9 to 12 miles wide and 300 feet deep. Think about that journey. Every step was a step of faith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, <laughs> right? chariots, come on, let's go, horsey, get out of here. This thing is going to close up on us. Imagine walls of water, nothing holding them up. It took faith. It took faith. <laughs> Nine to 12 miles. It took faith every step. See, sometimes our faith walk seems like we're getting deeper and deeper in trouble. Can you imagine? You're going into a, a, you know, an ocean that the water's held up beside you. So we give up when our answer was just a few more steps away. See, faith for future. Faith for future begins with a rhema word. Faith for future begins with a living word. See, logos, it's what's written here. And what we do is we take the logos, because it's written on pages, and, and if we try to do things according to the logos, then we put in our own, right? We do our own thing. We do. See, rhema word says, this is what God said. That's it. You know, you've seen the, those bumper stickers they used to have. It says, uh, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. God said it, that settles it, whether I believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> right? Take out that middle one there because, it, because he said it, it's settled. Yeah. Whether it's going to be settled in your life, it's up to your own faith. Right. 
It's up to your own faith walk. James 5. Remember, we started in James a couple of months ago. James 5, 17 and 18. It says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. In these verses, we see the journey of faith for the future. Three and a half years. See, he made it stop raining, but then now he's got to wait till God says. Here's your rhema word. Until God said, now you're going to pray for rain. He could have waited a year, year and a half and said, man, the drought's pretty bad. I think we should, I think it's good enough. I think they've learned their lesson. Let's go ahead and, and let's just pray for rain now. No, he waited. How many of you know we don't like waiting? You know how I know that? When you get old enough, I know that some of you are much older than me, and you look at me like I could be your son, and I could. I won't say who or even look in that direction. But, um, but if you've been uh, uh, around long enough, early 80s until now, we've seen a lot of things. You know, my, my, grand, my great-grandmother from my mother's side lived to be over 100 years old, and uh, she was born in 1900. And passed away in 2001. And she said, you know, I've seen horse and carriage go to, uh, to a, a motorized vehicle. I've seen people walking and I've seen people flying. She saw the transition of all these things. I've seen a man walk on the moon. And she would say, maybe. <laughs> she was one of those conspiracy, you know, people. Fidel Castro, you know, oh, he's been dead for a long time. Don't you see when he's on TV, his mole moves around his face because it's a different guy every time. I was like, okay, Grandma. All right, Abuelita. But she had seen everything. So I'm going to make a sound and see if you, if you guys are old enough to know what this is. Right? Trying to get on the Internet. And then if somebody picks up the phone on the other side of the house, man, you kick me off. Right? You go, I'm going to get on the internet to look up something, and you hit the thing, and then you go get a sandwich, and right? And then you sit in front of the TV, and you hit the button, and you turn the knob to get the channel you want and sit down, or, or you put on UHF or VHF, or does anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? So all these things that, that used to be, now, now, 100 megabytes per second, that's pretty quick. That's pretty fair. Even I, the other day, had to call in and say, okay, we need 400. Because that little thing turned twice, and that's just way too much time. Right? The little arrow turned across. That's just way too much. I can't wait that long. I don't, ain't nobody got time for this. Right? There's just no time for this stuff. I need it faster. I need to be able to click, boom, and it pops up on the screen. We're not people of patience. Our whole world has become so fast around us that we don't know how to stop and sit and wait. See, where you're at right now is not where you're going to be tomorrow. Now, you're going to be either better or worse than you are right now. That's completely up to your faith. It's completely up to your faith. So here he is. He waited the three and a half years, and, and you guys have heard me preach this before, and he prayed. 
And the servant came back. There's nothing out there. No problem. We'll pray again. And the servant came back. No problem. We'll pray again. The servant came back. Right? Seven times. He comes back and says, yeah, you know, there's a, there's a little cloud up there the size of a man's hand. He goes, oh, you better go tell, tell him to get ready. Because the rain is coming. There's going to be a flood. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be pretty bad. Can you imagine the servant? There's, there's just a, a cloud. That's a, come on, that's on a, on a beautiful day out here. There's a cloud. That's a, nobody expects rain. But that's all he needed. That's all he needed was a small little thing to say, God is still faithful. See, we want to boom and everything works out. Sometimes God just shows up in little things. And what do we do? We miss it because we're so focused on the out. We want that out of there, and we miss what God's doing right here. We miss it. We miss what's right here. Sometimes it's like that, and we know the story, and we know that the rain came. And my favorite part of that story is that God doesn't just do what he says he's going to do. He always has the grand finale. And Elijah runs past the chariot in the middle of the rain faster than horses. He says, you better hurry up. The rain's <laughs> getting worse. And he runs. A man cannot do that. Only God could strengthen him to do that. Yes. You can grow in faith in your faith journey without a word inside of you that God has spoken to you. So where does, you can't grow without that word. Right. So where does that word come from? Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, I had somebody a while back come and say, you know, I've, I've heard every message you've ever preached. You, you're just, you, you know, I've already heard all that. I'm going to go somewhere else. It's like, okay. You're always welcome here. The problem is you didn't hear and hear and hear because if you did, you wouldn't be leaving. You'd be serving. <laughs> right? Because we believe that here. If you're saved, you serve. Come on. Hebrews 11.7, by faith in Noah, being divinely warned, there's his word, his rhema word, of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. See, Noah uh, uh, took just, the, you know, they, everybody has this, it was 120 years is what people were saying. Now that, that's, and I, I kind of read through that. I really wanted to find out on my own. It doesn't have much to do with the message, but it's actually less than 100 years. He was 500 years old when the Lord, you know, they used to live a long time. Can you imagine living 500 years? I got to say this, he did have a drinking problem. <laughs> he did like his, his wine. But uh, anyway, so he builds this ark, and it shows that his two sons were born, and then they were married and during that whole process. So they think that it was between 50 and 75 years that it took them to build this ark. And, and the warning was that rain was going to come. You got to understand, it had not rained on the earth yet. He had lived 500 years without ever seeing why. It was like a, like a greenhouse that, you know, there was dew in the morning. It hadn't rained yet. It didn't start raining until after Noah's uh, uh, ark. So after 500, he began to have children after 500 years. That's a man. 
And his children, his children were married, and then they began to have children, which was at least 20 years. And then Noah was just over 600 years old when the floods came. So hence, you know, you know 70, 80 years between the word of the Lord and the completion. So he was like, he, st- he got the word around 500, and then around 520 years when his kids were being born, he started building. So it took him almost 20 years to start to obey and do. But in 500-year time, what's 20 years, right? So why so long? The ark was a symbol of salvation, and God was giving his people the opportunity to be saved. See, the ark is a type and shadow of salvation. And just a little tidbit on the side. It says they went into the ark, and God shut them in. It doesn't say that Noah did it, or his children did it, or they had some special crank or whatever. No, it says that God shut the ark. He created their salvation before the floods came. What kind of faith do you need to do the word given to you for 75 years before seeing the result? We had a a woman in our life that loved the Lord and married, and uh, after I don't know. Their kids were already grown up. They were probably married 30 years, maybe 20-something years. The husband decides that he, he starts making a lot of money and decides that he wants to live his life a little differently. And she goes to her knees. He leaves. She goes to her knees. 14 years later, the husband comes back. 14 years praying every single day for her husband. I'm not remarrying. I'm waiting on my husband. They remarried because they had gotten a divorce. They remarried, married her, her husband, and they were together for 20-something years. And then, um, unfortunately, he died in a, he was on his motorcycle in his 80s or something. And um, during bike week out in Daytona, and, and some girl hit him. Preaching the, Preaching the gospel everywhere he went. But uh, wonderful man of God. I got to work with him on several occasions, and he would tell me stories and things and just just incredible. It was like those 14 years didn't even exist in his life. He never talked about them. He never said anything. He didn't brag about what he was doing. Nothing. It, it, was, it was his own mistake, and he realized. But for 14 years, she prayed. How many of you would wait that long for your husband to come back? That's faith. We can let our circumstances beat us down, then we lick our wounds, or we can fight the good fight of faith until we win. Until we receive the guaranteed future. John chapter 6 verse 63 it says. It is the spirit who gives life. The pneuma. That gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you. Are spirit. And they are life. There's your rhema word. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit. That's what we need, man. We need the spirit to be so strong that it's divided from your soul, from your emotions, from your mind, from your way of thinking. We need the spirit to take over. You know, the man is three parts. We need that spirit to be in control. Feed your spirit the rhema word. It will strengthen and be in control over your soul and your flesh. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Hebrews 
4.12 in the message. Look at this. God means what he says. What he says goes. His powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and obey. <laughs> Get a word from the Lord. Faith for future is a journey. So that was my introduction. Faith for future is a journey. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. See, our walk is a journey, and our sight, that word sight actually means all five of your senses. We walk by faith, not by, by sight. So what are these steps that we take? Steps to receive what God had promised you in his word. You have to first hear the word. That's how faith comes, right? Second, you have to receive the word. You have to agree with the word. Once you receive the word and agree with the word, nothing can take it from you. Doubt can't come in. It can't. No, this is what the word says. Right? If the word were a ship, I'm going down with the ship. Because I'm the captain, right? I'm going down with the ship. I agree with the word. And number three, you have to act upon the word. You, you know, confession, what we did a couple weeks ago. Confession and action. See, the word, the faith should cause you to do something and say something. It causes you to think differently. It causes you to behave differently. Completely different from the world. See, in the midst of everything that's happening, you, everyone is complaining. Inflation, or, uh, housing, uh, gas. You know, uh, the other day, a little thing, a little chart came up on my computer, and it said the things that, that uh, are, are more expensive, the, the list, you know, number one, the most expensive thing that has gone up the most. Sausage. What, we don't have pigs now? Sausage. I don't know how that made number one. I, th I thought gas would be number one, you know? It was number one. It had gone up by like 30-something percent or 40-something percent. I'm thinking gas has gone up by more than that. Somebody messed up this list. And we look at the world around us and what's happening, and it affects our faith. That's why now more than ever we need to be feeding our faith. And then there's a formula. To receive. It says, have God's word as the foundation of what you're believing for. We need to quit praying for what we want without a word from the Lord. We need, to, we need to have a word from the Lord instead of believing for what we want without it. In other words, you know, back in the day, we were, we've always, uh, we were in the assemblies for a couple of years, but we've been in, in Rhema churches uh, uh, or, you know, churches that believe like Rhema for, for most of our Christian walk, our 30-something years. But we have seen all kinds of stuff. I remember the janitor at the church, wonderful man of God. He was a handyman. He did well for himself, provided for his family. But, you know, a janitor is a janitor. Drove an old truck and, you know, had his stuff in the back. And he heard a word, and he decided that he was going to go down to the Mercedes dealership and he was going to lay hands on this $120,000 Mercedes and claim it to be his. <laughs> I was all for it. I was like, oh, yeah, man, if this works for him, I'm going to go over there too. <laughs> Back in the day, right? It didn't happen. If he got that Mercedes, the IRS would be knocking on his door the next day. How would you buy this thing? That's not a word from the Lord. Thank you, Lord, that I have this truck that gets me from point A to point B. It's a grateful heart that gets blessed. 
not a covetous one. Have God's word as the foundation of what you're believing for. Number two, believe the word you are standing on. Don't change it. Don't move it. Don't rip it out. You know, people love to take stuff. I don't like that part. Resist the devil and he will flee. How many of you know that? I've heard people quote that so many times, and I always tell them, you forgot the first part. (laughs) Submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. They don't like the submit part. They just want to be able to resist the devil. There has to be a total submission to God. Believe the word that you're standing on. Number three, refuse to accept anything that contradicts what you're believing for. We have fed our doubt and our fear for, for so long that what we, this rhema word that we need, we need it as a daily diet. We need to, we need to be gluttons of the rhema word. We need to be always, I mean, we're being bombarded. You can't turn on the radio, the TV. You can't go onto your computer. You can't open an email. You can't do anything without the world bombarding you with some type of fear and something that's going to rob you of your faith. But if the word is in you, there's always a good response. Oh, no. The word of God says, the word of God says, right? The temptation that Jesus had, it is written. Refuse to accept anything that contradicts what you're believing for. Number four, give praise to God for the answer, even if you don't have it. Give praise to God for the answer, even if you don't have it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So if, it's, if, you're belie- if you've got all these in order and you got, you're in the Word, you're believing for something that God's going to do for you, and you're, right? And listen, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share something because in the Word of Faith realm, we have received a lot of preaching and sermons that have led us a little bit astray because of our own greediness, our own wanting of things, right? And I heard a, a minister, he was T.D. Jakes, he, he was, uh, I went to YouTube yesterday. When I iron my clothes, I listen to T.D. Jakes. I have no idea why. There's certain things that you do, like when, when you fly in an airplane, I, I drink ginger ale. Some people say I drink, they drink uh, uh, tomato juice. Somebody says, oh, I think... That's the only place I ever drink tomato juice is on an airplane. I don't know why you have. When I go to iron, I've set my iron up in front of my TV and I watch TD Jakes. So anyway, I'm watching, I'm watching TD Jakes and he's he's talking about these certain things, and he's saying, "How are we going to make it through our journey if all we have is what we want and not what he wants? Why is it?" That we go before God and always asking for something rather than just going before him and being thankful for what you already have. Yeah. Miles Monroe has a teaching on that. It's how to attract plenty. I don't like that title, but it's called how to attract plenty. And, you know, he, uh, uh, he's with the Lord. We know that if, if you know who he is. But um, he, he, he was, I can't do his voice, but he would say, how could you ask for a new car and you don't even take care of the one you got? You know? <laughs> It's all dirty. You don't change the oil, and you're praying for God to give you a new one. You want God to give you a bigger house. You got a small house, and you can't even clean it. How are you going to clean a big house? Your closets are full of clutter, and 
He goes on and on about that, and, and that really ministered to me. It changed my whole perspective on, on, on God's blessings for our life. And then he goes on to talk about uh, blessings are not what we all think they are. Because a blessing for an owner of a bank is different than the blessing for the teller. It depends where you're sit seated. Sacrifice for the owner is different than a sacrifice for the teller. What the owner might consider tribulation, the teller might say, I wish I had that tribulation. Think about it. It depends where you're seated. Where do you live in the world? Having one meal a day is a big deal in some places. And here we throw food away. Having fresh water is a big deal in some places. Having fresh water is a blessing from God. They praise the Lord for it. We don't. Do you ever open your faucet in the morning and praise the Lord for the water? That's, we don't. It's a given. You open it up, right? And you know it's clean because it smells like chlorine. <laughs> Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 10 and then 17. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. You see how that all goes together? That word salvation is soteria, and, and a couple weeks ago I, I covered what salvation is. It's the fullness of everything that Christ did on the cross from the moment you get saved. It's not about the by and by. We all think that, oh, this, I got fire insurance, I'm going to go to heaven one day. No, see, the fruition of what salvation is, everything, all the promises of God are yes and amen in what? In the moment that you receive Jesus, what? By believing in your heart. And by confessing with your mouth. We want God to do something for us. And God is trying to do something in us. There are several occasions in the Bible when God puts something, someone through faith journey to receive what he had promised. We saw Noah building for 80 years. Uh, by faith, Naaman, he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan and was healed of leprosy. We're going to read that in just a moment. But I want to I plug this in here in, uh, for just a minute. Uncertainty. See, the journey that you're in, that uncertainty of that journey, it's okay to be uncertain. It's okay to, to be even a little concerned. It's not okay to throw your faith out the window. And what happens during uncertainty is we run. And instead of running towards, we run away from. You know, God knew that we were going to fall short. That's why he sent Jesus. The other day I was reading through the Ten Commandments and, and reading when, when God gave uh, Moses the Ten Commandments. Do you know that while he was up there getting the Ten Commandments, he was also getting instructions for the tabernacle, by the way. So he was not only giving them the law that would cause them to die, he was giving them the way out, which was through the blood in the tabernacle. He was giving them both at the same time. But what was going on? He's up in the mountain. What's going on down at the bottom? They're building a calf. See, in the midst of them doing and breaking at least two or three of these commandments, he's writing the commandments. He already knew that they weren't going to make it. It was a tutor or a, an arrow pointing them towards the Christ. The blood of the lamb, unspotted lamb, would lead you 
to salvation. They already knew. And by faith, Naaman dipped seven times. 2 Kings 5, 10 through 13, it says, And Elisha sent a, men- a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the... He didn't even come to the door. Just, just tell him to go do this. Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. You know, sometimes we don't have them as often, and we don't go to them as often, but, you know, when, when Benny Hinn was big and he used to fill the stadiums and people were getting healed and, and these things, or, or you would go to a, a camp meeting or you would go to a, a tent meeting where healings were happening, and the preacher would preach, and then he would call a healing line up, and then he would ask other pastors to help, and the preacher who preached the message would come up, and then he would stand there, and he'd have the longest line. And the one standing there, why? Because they got their eyes on that preacher. Their faith is on that person. Thank God that that doesn't, and here's the other way around. I come up here and everybody goes to our elders and our pastors and stuff, and I kind of stand around like, okay. (laughs) It doesn't bother me. It shows that as a pastor, I'm doing my job. You're not a success unless you have a successor. So Elijah, he goes, go, he sends his servant. He's like, I wanted to see, do you know who I am? You just said, you're not even going to come to the door for me? He's full of himself. Don't we get full of ourselves? We may not know it, but when you're trying to tell God how to resolve your issues, that's all about you. That's not about him. Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious. Instead of full of faith, and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me. And went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, And he surely will come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God. His God. And there's another problem there. <laughs> his God. And wave his hand over the place, Abacadabra, and heal the leprosy. That's what he wanted. Isn't that what we want? We want to go to God. I got a word. I'm standing on the word. The preacher said this. This is what the preacher said. And this is what's supposed to happen. And Lord, this is what you need to do for me. He's not a genius. We are bold and stupid at the same time. To go before God and tell him what to do and how to do it because we have faith. Who do we think we are? Who do we think we are? That's what happened there. He went there and he was like, this is how he's going to do it. He's going to come to the door. He's going to wave his hand over me. And he's like, no, that's not how it's going to work. And heal the leprosy. Verse 12. Are not the Abana and the Farfar, Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Isn't, isn't, isn't my way better? God, I know that you said this, but come on, I got a better way to do this. I, I, can, I can do this on my own. I really, really, look, you just give me the faith and, and I'll go do this. We push God right out of our, our, our miracle. We push him right out of our life and we say, I have faith and we want to do it on our own. Could I not wash in them and be clean? 
So he turned and went away in rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? This is a simple thing. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. I want friends like that. I want to be surrounded by people that when I get into my little temper tantrum and I go before God and tell him what I want to do, they say, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. I want friends like the the ones that brought the the cripple man and tore out the roof. I want friends that bring you to the truth and don't allow you to. I I don't want friends like Job's friends. Look at everything you're going through. Turn your back on God. What are you doing? I don't want those friends. I want these friends. I want to be surrounded by these people that say, hey, this is simple. What if he would ask you to do something great? See, Naaman had to deal with his emotions and his attitude before doing the word given to him by the prophet's servant. Just saying prophet's servant almost diminishes the word. In our own mind, it does. In our own dealings. Naaman had to deal with his own thoughts and ways of what he thought should happen to be healed. Should happen for him to be healed. See, we do the same. We deal with our own emotions and our own ideas of how things should... You know, I always say here, don't put your faith in other people's testimonies. Testimonies are for the sake of glorifying God, not to build your faith. We all, come on, what, where does faith come from? By hearing, the word. By hearing the word. But what do we do? We have somebody stand up and give their testimony, and we do that here. We have people, when, when things happen, we actually need to do that soon because I've been having people come up to me little by little saying, you know that day that we had the healing service and, you, and, and so-and-so, it wasn't even me, so-and-so laid hands on me. I got completely healed of a pain that I had for a long, long time. Another one, oh, you know that I, and, and, and people have been telling me these things. I was like, well, you, we, need to, we need to tell the church that this is happening in our midst. Yeah, and if you weren't here, you missed it. <laughs> it's in the gathering. Those of you who are friends with me on Facebook saw me yesterday writing the gathering. It's all about the gathering. Something happens in the building that doesn't happen out there. Can healings happen out there? Absolutely. Can you have faith in your own prayer closet at home? Absolutely. There's something about the gathering that you cannot get sitting on your couch. And don't delete that from the, because from, we're not streaming anymore. But we are, don't delete that. Because somebody will be sitting on their couch listening to me. There's something about this that you can't get anywhere else. We deal with our own emotions, with our own ideas on how things should be. In the end, we just need to obey God's word. See, Naaman's journey was to go and dip in the Jordan seven times. Seven. Not once, but seven. Imagine the sixth time you come up and you're still full of leprosy. Could have given up. But after anger and after frustration and after all that, he had a little bit of grit. Hebrews 11.30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. Now, 
we know that this group of people, these Israelites, uh, were not Hispanic because they had to be quiet for seven days. <laughs> now, I'm only saying that because I'm Hispanic. If not, that would be racially inappropriate. And I, you know, somebody would get offended. Try to keep them, just anybody, try to keep them quiet for seven days. And then on the seventh day, seven, and then we'll shout. What happens after you go around the first time and you set up tent outside these walls that were thick enough to ride chariots on? What happens that first night, the second night, the third night? Your feet are dirty, you're tired, you're wearing out the bottom of your sandals, going around this again and again. Now, you know, you're, you need water, right? Forget this. Things were good on the other side of that river. We can go back over there. Man, it keeps falling from the sky over there. You know who was there that helped through this whole process? Joshua and Caleb. Men of faith had a word from the Lord. This city is ours. It's been almost just over 20 years that they began excavating something in that area that appears to be a wall that sunk into the ground. Because a wall that crumbles, you would have to, it says that they walked across the, the, the across flat ground into the city and took the city. That wall did not crumble. It sunk into the ground. Can you imagine that? Seven times. Hebrews 11.30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. Want to talk about a journey? See, the Israelites' journey was to obey the word given to the man of God. We struggle with this because the man of God has fallen. The man of God has done this. The man of God has done that. The man of God, the man of God. We've had the man of God do this, and we've had priests do that, and we've had, and they've been in jail, and, they've been, and we go through all the man of God, the man of God, and then, and then what do we do? We mark every man of God that way, and we judge every man of God that way. Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Just waiting on the Holy Spirit. Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. It says, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one went in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, <clears throat> see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its kings and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priest blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the walls of the cities will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. See, we tend to despise these small beginnings. Right? You go around, boo, okay, that was easy. First time. No big deal. That was, it, we should, the wall should come down now. I don't want to do this again. This is tiring. My God loves me. He's not going to make me do it again, is he? 
Maybe it's my faith. Maybe they're setting us up, and maybe on the, like the sixth day, they're going to shoot us down from the walls. You've got to understand, they were vulnerable. Yes. They're on the floor under the wall, going around. And they're inside going, those are the Israelites. Look at them. Those same people went into the valley not too long after that and destroyed an innumerable army of Amorites. <laughs> if that happened to me, then I would have more faith. Don't despise small beginnings. We have two kinds of people here today, the journey person and the destination person. I like the journey. I love traveling, getting on the road. I even like flying. I don't mind flying. And I usually fly those cheap airlines. You know, the ones that you roll down the window like this? <laughs> I fly Allegiant a lot. If I can find a city anywhere near where I'm going, I fly Allegiant. Come right out of Sanford, right into the little city. It's one, no stops, no boom, boom, you're there. And, and right, I, I try to find cities that are nearby that we can use Allegiant. I don't mind, unless it's a long, like when we go to Brazil or South America, I want a, I want a nice airline. <laughs> You're sitting in an airplane for eight hours. I don't want to be sitting like this. Right. Then you hit the button, you go. <laughs> That's it right there. You don't go any further than that. I love, I love the journey. I love talking to people. You know, if they sit, sometimes I'll, I'll take my... Now we all use our phones, but I like opening my Bible because in the phone, you don't know what people are doing. You could be playing a game or whatever, and I'll be sitting there, and then the, the, the plane has turbulence, and the guy next to me sees me reading my Bible, and all of a sudden, he looks at me and goes, are you praying? Can you pray for us? Do you even believe in God? <laughs> I love the journey. See, there's something in the journey that, that teaches us. There's something in the, in the getting to that place, right? There's just something about that. You know what it requires? It requires obedience. Any journey you take requires obedience. There's going to be rules and regulations. On the airplane, right? Back seat up, tables up, put your seatbelt on. Now you don't have to cover your face anymore, right? I still do sometimes if... The person next to me doesn't like it, then, you know, wants me to, I'll, I'll do it for them. But uh, I don't have a big, big issue with that. But, uh, you know, you have to do this, and you have to do the other, and, you, and there's all kinds of rules and regulations. When you put it into the GPS, what do you do? You do exactly what it tells you. You do exactly what she tells you to do. Some of you guys need to listen to what I'm saying. You, God made man, and then he said, that guy needs help, and he sent this woman. You need to listen. Yeah. Thank God we needed help. We need to listen. And we listen to the GPS, and we follow the rules. But then God shows up, and you punch in the word into the circumstance that you're in, and we don't want to obey. We want to do it our way. It says, go south. I want to go north. Well, you're not going to get to the destination if you go north. You're going away from the answer. Well, that way there's a storm. That way it's hard. That way there's no dirt, dirt roads. That way is, 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 you know, it's going to take more money. It's going to take more sacrifice to go that way. But that's the only way to your, to your 
destination. If you turn around and go the easy way, you're not going to end up where you're supposed to end up. Life is hard. Thank God that he promised to deliver us from all of it. How he does it, it's up to him. Zechariah 4.10, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Jeremiah 29.11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, the plans to prosper you, not to harm you, and to give you a future and a hope. And the last scripture, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, being confident in this thing, in this very thing, that he who had begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God promises to complete the work. God made a promise and he will keep it. And it doesn't matter where you're at, what circumstance you're in. I've seen people, and we can go on, we, Abraham, you want to talk about faith journey? Guy gave up everything he had. He was rich. Set up a tent out in the middle of the desert. Where are we going now? Just, just be quiet and sit there. I'm not telling you anything else. That would have been enough for me to say, hey, I'm going back home, man. I got a comfy bed back there. You're not going to tell me what's next. I obeyed, I obeyed this far. I'm here. I'm uncomfortable. At least give me what's coming next. No. Just, just relax. You'd be the father of many nations. 20 plus years go by. They're in their 90s. 100 They create an Ishmael because they try to do it on their own. Talk about a journey. I'm going to fulfill the promise now that her womb is dead. Don't miss the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk about the presence of God and Aaron's rod. If you know anything about that, right? It was a stick that he used to walk around with. They put it in the Ark of the Covenant. And it budded. It gave almond. It was an almond tree. It, gave, it budded almonds and, and flowers. And it was dead. You couldn't plant that thing in the ground and water it and have it bud again. Only in the presence of God. Only in the presence. That's going to help us in our faith walk. It is. You don't want to miss the next couple of weeks and Let's just stand to our feet this morning. You could dim the lights back there. Some of us are in a journey right now. You're right in the middle of Maybe you're right at the beginning of your journey. Maybe you've been in this journey for a long, long time. Some of us just need comfort. I'm tired of being uncomfortable. Some of us just need the Holy Spirit to comfort us. That's all we need. And we've been waiting and waiting. You know, whenever I go through those times of being uncomfortable, and I'll be, I won't give details, but I'll be honest, in the, in the last few years, uh, there has been months and months of me being uncomfortable. And I've learned through this whole process not to ask God to remove the uncomfortableness, but to ask him to help me learn quicker. <laughs> Lord, what do I need to learn so I can get out of this? 
right? What are you teaching me? What are you teaching me? What am I supposed to learn at this point? So I can, I can move on to the next thing. Because that's what he's molding you and making us more like him. What are you doing? Lord, I just pray right now, Father, that you would comfort us. I know I'm stuck on that. We could pray for, at this point, we can pray for miracles. We can pray for healing. We could pray, but there's just something about comfort right now. Peace and comfort. Comfort us, Lord, in the midst of what we're going through, Lord. Comfort us in the midst of transition. Comfort us in the midst of not having clarity. What's next, Lord? What's next, Lord? What's next, Lord? Comfort us in the midst of our fear. Comfort us, Lord, through your Holy Spirit this morning. And Lord, wherever we're at in the journey, forgive us. Forgive us for giving up. Forgive us for not trusting you. Forgive us for not uh, 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 moving in the direction that you want us to move, Lord. We, we sat down and we got angry and we pouted and we had a temper tantrum, Lord, but now we're back. We're standing, we're walking, and we're going to walk this out, Lord, until the fruition of the promises that you gave us according to the word that we're standing on this morning, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that we win. But to win, we got to run the race. So we stand back up and we begin to run the race of faith. No matter how we feel, no matter how we think, no matter what we see, no matter what we feel, Lord, we trust you to do with us as you please. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We need you. We need you, Lord. Forgive us for trying to figure this out on our own. And Lord, coming to you with our needs and then telling you how to fulfill them. I trust however it is, whatever the journey is, Lord, whatever God's positioning system says, Lord, I'm going to follow. I'm going to follow, Lord. Lead us. Lead us, Lord. Minister to us now, Lord, this word of faith that we would be able to walk by faith and not by sight. We trust you. We trust you, Lord. Continue to comfort us as we leave here today. Holy Spirit, comfort us. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. 
If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.